All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corin Votney, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. We'll start things off by reacting to NFL Week 13. The Steelers picked up a much-needed victory over their big rivals, the Baltimore Ravens, while the Patriots went into Buffalo in crazy weather conditions and came away as the top seed in the AFC. We'll talk about both of those games and more from this weekend. Before talking college football, the playoffs are set. We'll react to the committee selections, as well as talk about some of the major coaching carousel moves that have gone on in the meantime that have shaken up the college football world. From there, we'll talk a little baseball. MLB isn't a lockout, but before the lockout, there were a ton of free agent signings. We'll talk about some of the biggest deals that were made as we look ahead to a potential 2022 season whenever that may start. Finally, we'll answer five questions on our favorite holiday activities. Paige Beckers and her late game injury for UConn, Spotify wrapped, and more. So with that, let's get started. We have a lot to get to in this episode. Um, football, both the professional, the college level, talk some baseball. We got five questions to wrap up the episode. But real quickly, before we get into any of that, I do think we need to talk about something that we talked about on the last episode. That was the match Brooks versus Bryson. And Brooks kept getting up winning fairly easily. We did do that cranberry sauce bet, which you still haven't done. Um, but that was that was on me because... We were originally planning on doing it the Saturday after Thanksgiving, the day after the match, but we were planning on going downtown that night in our hometown bars, and I was like, I wouldn't want to do that on a stomach filled with cranberry sauce, so I'm not going to make him do that, so we'll we'll uh, circle back to that one. Yeah, that, I I kind of figured that when we were when we were out that night, and yeah, just do it, and, just do the cranberry sauce thing another day, and yeah, yeah it was tentative plan. It was, it was Saturday- kind of, oh. It, I it was say, Saturday, that, December eighteenth. So, yeah, that works. And it was kind of disappointing that Bryson lost, but whatever. It's it's just a fun you don't bet. hate cranberry and, sauce. Yeah, and I I don't hate you like I, it I like lot. cranberry sauce, so um, it, it shouldn't be an issue. I mean, I take it back. It, it'll it'll suck by the end. Uh, when I get when I finish halfway or three quarters of it, it'll definitely stink. But uh, it it's it's definitely doable. It's, well. So I guess um, by doing it this way, it adds another wrinkle in terms of like uh, the punishment acts aspect. The Patriots play the Colts that night on it's Saturday night, so you'll oh, kind of have right, to yeah. get through that game on a full <laughs> stomach yeah. of cranberry sauce. Might kind of take so, away from your enjoyment a little. Yeah, so I get to <laughs> I get to watch my team while 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 eating the cranberry sauce at yeah, the same time. So something like that. That should be fun. Yeah. So we'll um, have some kind of content whenever that time does come around. But for now, let's talk about the latest happenings in the NFL week 13. And we'll start with the Steelers and the Ravens who played on Sunday evening. And 
Going into this week, I felt like it was do or die for the Steelers. They had lost two in a row, uh, and that was after tying with the Lions, 5-5-1, five, five, and one, falling out of the playoff picture, and a loss at home to the Ravens seemed like it would have ended the season. Well, um, the day before the game, there were reports that came out that Ben Roethlisberger has been telling those uh, like former teammates, others in the organization, that he expects it to be his last season with the Steelers. And there were all these narratives also coming into the week that, oh, Mike Tomlin gets his team up for these big games. Will the Steelers be able to pull this one out because of that, regardless of how good they are? And I didn't want to fully believe it. I was still thinking that something bad is going to happen. In the end, the Steelers end up beating the Ravens 20 to 19, nail biting fashion. And I guess I have. I had two immediate reactions to this. The first one is, okay, this is a great win, but is this it? Like, is this, uh, all these factors came together, led to a great week, great performance by Big Ben, you know, the team all fired up and now everything's just going to go back to the losing that we saw the past few weeks. But my other reaction that goes along with that is, The Steelers pulled out a huge win over a huge rival, a team that I think is one of the biggest frauds in the league, and I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to celebrate that win and worry about what happens from here. Yeah, I I don't think too highly of the Ravens. I can't say they stink because I think they are a deserving playoff team, but I I do agree that they're a little fraudulent. They're eight and four. They've 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 won a lot of games that they probably shouldn't have won. Yeah, the, the the stats will say that they're great in close games, but I, you using our eyeballs, we could say that there's definitely a lot of uh, luck uh, that's been involved uh, for the Ravens. Yeah, in, and it's, in these it's close not games. just Justin Tucker making a 66-yard field goal to beat the Lions. This is a lot more that has gone into it. So I'm I'm just as happy that the Ravens lost as I am that the Steelers won. Obviously, huge rivalry game. So I. I guess, like I said, I don't know how to totally feel about this in terms of, uh, you know, are they is the the season well, turnaround? I think now. I think it's a great win, uh, given the stage and given the opponent, especially yep. since the Steelers and Ravens are big rivals. And it, like you said earlier, I, I mean, yes, the NF the the standings in the AFC are just neck and neck when it comes to the wild card hunt and the teams that are just outside of the playoff picture, they're all within a game of each other basically. And so if the Steelers lost this game, I mean, mathematically, of course it's not over, but the way they were trending, losing two, two games in a row and then having a home game versus a big rival on a big stage, it, it, it felt like it had to be a must win game for the Steelers to keep their, uh, keep their hopes alive. Yeah, Tony Romo kept saying that on the broadcast. He would say, "Oh, I don't think they're totally done, but they really need to win this one. It's it's probably over." Which it makes sense. And if you're five, six, and one, especially having your last what four games left against or five games left against Minnesota, Tennessee, Kansas City, Cleveland, Baltimore. There's no gimme there. There's not a single gimme. No, and even I, if even if some of those teams are trending down at the moment. It, there's not a single gimme in that. No, and it's reasonable to think the Steelers could be underdogs in all five of those games, depending on who's healthy on the other side. You know, a bunch of other factors. We'll see. You don't want to necessarily predict lines for games that are happening in January, but the odds are against the Steelers still, even with this win. That being said, if there if this isn't just like a you know let's win one for the Gipper with a you know Big Ben unofficially 
announcing his retirement, like then the this team has a chance to continue to rattle off a bunch of wins. And at that point, not only could they get themselves into the playoffs, but they could be one of those teams you don't want to face because they're they're riding hot um, after unleashing hell in December. You know the old uh, Tomlinism there, but. I, I think I'm taking this on a game-by-game approach. Uh, had the Steelers lost, I would have been basically ready to punt on the season, not really even care anymore. Be you know, Still want to root for the team, but be totally fine if the losses pile up and it meant a great draft pick. But, you know, just as, uh, you know, the the, the Godfather gif, uh, you know, just as I... I think uh, just as I'm out, they start to pull me back in, whatever it is. Like, that's kind of where I'm feeling right now. And I, I mean, hey, if they lost it, this game, the only teams that they'd be ahead of in the AFC would be the Texans and the Jacks. And the Jets. And the Jets, sorry. <laughs> and the Jets. So three teams. It, that's it? There's no one else? The Dolphins are on a roll right now. They're actually... They're actually so they, they were past, the like, five fourth... Games. So they're six and seven. Yeah, and the Steelers sense. would be five... Six and uh, one. Six and one. Yeah, I guess I don't. I don't know how the tie factors in. Um, you know, to some of those winning percentages, but yeah, very important win for the Steelers. So, it's uh, has me feeling good for the moment. They play Thursday night against the Vikings, who are coming off a loss to the Detroit Lions. So, <laughs> thankfully, the Lions aren't going 0 16 and one with the one tie being against the Steelers. They did finally get a victory. Yeah, and the Vikings could be possibly without M. Thielen uh, and Delvin for Cook. Thursday night. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, great, great win for the Lions, though. That's, yeah, no, uh, that was that was awesome. Definitely uh, happy with was, Dan Campbell and company. That was the best part of Sunday, in my personally. I mean, not that I'm a Lions fan whatsoever, but I'll admit, I, I know Dan Campbell's not the smartest guy. He's not the best coach, but I don't care. I, he's a super likable guy, and I was pulling for him for sure to finally get a victory. And and I don't. Know, he's a player's coach, and the players certainly. Seem to like playing for him, even though he only has one win. It's great that he got his first it, win. You and know, he, it's and incredible love... how many games the Lions have been in during all this stretch. You think at some point they would just break? And I was thinking, okay, maybe it was that forty-four to six loss to the Eagles. Everyone's like, this is finally the game, and obviously wasn't. But they've continued to put up fights, and they've continued to be in close contests. So it felt like it was only a matter of time. But at the same time. Like how many games can you almost win and still lose before and still it's like lose. you're never gonna get a win? So it's it's definitely yeah. great for this team. I don't know um, if they're close-ish at all in terms of getting back on track. It feels like it, it's uh, still gonna be a long time before the Lions no. are back. No, <laughs> of course picture, not. But yeah. you know, it's at least it's something good. You know, you don't have to go oh sixteen and one. You can go in the next season at least with a win, and you know start to rebuild this team from there. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying that he's going to be this amazing coach or anything. He probably won't last uh, two seasons, maybe or three seasons with the Lions. I, but I don't know. It, Dan Campbell's great, and I, I I like how he handled the end of that game as well in the press conference, dedicating the game ball to the Oxford community community after the terrible events last week, and so. I was definitely happy for him, and even though even if he's not the greatest uh, coach, all he has to do is last three seasons, and he beats Matt Patricia because he only yeah. made it two and a half. I mean, I, I would take him over Matt Patricia, which is not saying much, but I, I he's definitely he's the polar opposite of Matt Patricia. So I guess yeah, going back to the Steelers, just uh, a few thoughts. So 
the um, fourth quarter comeback for Ben Roethlisberger, 39th of his career, trails only Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. He still has it in him. I don't know if he'll get to 40. Uh, you know, it would be nice. It's also his 51st game-winning drive, which ties him with Brady. I'm not sure the full distinction there. Uh, but he's someone who he continues to show that he can. You can't count him out in the fourth quarter as long as it's close. Uh, you know they only scored three points in the first three quarters, but seventeen in the fourth. So uh, certainly speaking. Speaking yeah. of a close fourth quarter, how did you feel about the Ravens going for two? So I did. I mean, you probably feel I great. Do about get, they, no, I do want to get to that. They so. didn't win, and they the, the yeah the Steelers won. But yep. how would you feel if you're if you're a Baltimore fan. Okay, so I just, guess a... I do want to do want to talk about that. Two other thoughts. <laughs> so John Leglue coming in as the offensive uh, left guard. No, you're good. I do want to get to that. I'm glad that you brought that up. Uh, so John Leglue came in uh, when BJ Finney was injured, uh, took over at left guard, and I don't know who this guy was, but he seemed to be, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term, the glue that brought this team together um the offensive line was was much improved in this one especially as the game went on not only Najee Harris but even Benny Snell was finding room to run so I don't know what to make of that could just be uh you know flash in the pan in this game but that's another reason to maybe be optimistic moving forward and then Deontay Johnson uh coming into the season I thought he was going to be awesome this year I think a lot of people were really high on him he had those drops issues last year I think he only had one drop heading into this game and he dropped uh, at the end of the first half a would-be touchdown but he recovered ended up scoring the Steelers uh, two touchdowns including the game winner inside two minutes he's def- so he's definitely their best receiver even if Juju were healthy he's yeah he's he's established receiver. himself as a best receiver only two well I guess technically three now that Juju signed that um, one-year deal but uh, before Juju is only Heinz Ward and um, Antonio Brown who had signed extensions with the Steelers as wide receivers um, since Kevin Colbert took over. So it'll be interesting to see if Johnson joins that list, but he's certainly made the case. So now let's talk about the two point play because that was, that was a big aspect of this game. And when the Ravens scored, I kind of assumed that they would just kick the extra point, but they immediately showed John Harbaugh flashing up, you know, two and I was like, oh, no, the, it makes total sense. And Tomlin said after the game, like, yeah, when you do analytics every time, you become predictable, <laughs> even though it didn't really feel like I, you knew I love it was that he coming. said that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I totally get it. Harbo's reasoning. They just lost Marlon Humphrey while already being down on corners. So they were like, let's just go for the win here. We don't trust ourselves in overtime, which I think kind of speaks to how well Ben was playing in the fourth quarter that they're like, oh, we don't have anyone can, that can cover their receivers. That feels like uh, something that wouldn't stop uh, some teams or at least you know sometimes in his performances this season. But uh, that, that certainly speaks to how well the offense was playing, that Harbaugh felt the need to go for two there. Totally get it. I mean, it seemed like it should have worked. TJ Watt, it was a force. I guess he did just enough to disrupt Lamar Jackson's yeah, pass. Yeah, that, that, that was definitely... Fell incomplete. TJ Watt definitely does, deserves some credit for disrupting Lamar on that play. But I do think Lamar also deserves some of the backlash for you know exactly. missing Andrews. I don't know how much you want to say Andrews dropped it. He did get a hand on it. He dropped a no, couple I, passes earlier, so... I, I, yeah, I mean, Andrews has made some crazy catches this year, and I, I I would put more blame on Lamar for the throw. I mean, I don't know. Le- Lamar Jackson definitely needs to add more touch on some of his throws. He's definitely not. Uh, he's of course not the most accurate thrower of the football, and so 
yeah, it. I would put more blame on Jackson for that than Andrews. Yeah, I I think that's that's totally fair. I think a lot of people were trying to say that it was a drop for Andrews. I don't know if I would go that far, just you know, just because it hit him in one of his hands. But I I think that Lamar does deserve a lot of the criticism he receives. He's an incredible playmaker the way he's yeah, just he had, able he, to run up and down the field and he does have a, an he, arm he can throw the ball it's just his accuracy had, isn't where it needs to be sometimes yeah he had he had four interceptions versus the browns last mm-hmm. sunday I, I mean some bad have, ones too so yeah it, you, you can't you can't advance that deep into the playoffs if your starting running back has four interceptions yeah he, well he, <laughs> no you're right <laughs> Even his pick in this one on that opening drive. And the Steelers' defense was really struggling on that opening drive. Like They they played much better than the past two weeks after giving up 41 points to the Chargers and the Bengals. But they they had some bad drives. Of course, the 99-yard touchdown drive. But that one drive where the the Ravens go down the field, look like they're in a position to score. They get some pressure on Lamar on a third down. He just throws it up right to Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and then it gets picked off. Yeah, should have gotten three points there. And... Uh, but yeah, it's, that was a really bad interception, and that, and that could have made a, a huge difference given the score. Yeah, for sure. There were there were a lot of like moments like that where there were points left off the board uh, that could have been picked up. I mean, Chris Boswell. That that was the biggest like, one. I mean, I guess outside of the missing the two point conversion, yeah. of course. But yeah, there's a missed two point conversion. Boswell's makes this extra point. They made up with the further with the two point conversion anyway. But then he kicks the ball off out of bounds. So Boswell's been awesome this year, but he kept trying to uh, ruin any good thing that the Sealy's offense did in that fourth quarter. So hopefully that's um, just a a bad game from him. Honestly, I when it comes to the two point conversion though, I in the moment and kind of still now, I'll admit I I wasn't a fan of them going for two. I mean. I, I I get that the Ravens had these injuries. I mean, Mar- they lost Marlon Humphrey for the game and for the season, and their defense definitely had a lot of fatigue. But I, I don't know. I I know Big Ben played well in this game for sure. But at the same time, I still think if you can't stop an aging Big Ben near retirement, Big Ben in overtime, if you lose the toss, I mean, what does that say about what does that say about you or the Ravens? Uh, I mean, that I I don't know I I don't I don't their I wasn't a their fan defense of that. is really banged up with injuries so like I I guess I get both perspectives yet at the same time you're like well if the Ravens win the toss I I feel pretty good about Lamar's chances of driving down the field and at the very least getting a Justin Tucker field goal and then seeing what your defense can do because like you said Big Ben yeah he he had that big fourth quarter he had a perfect passer rating in the fourth quarter we saw against the Chargers a couple weeks ago when the offense was going great a couple sacks and all of a sudden it's a fourth and 32 and a quick four and out and the game's over. So uh, certainly no guarantees that the Steelers offense would have been able to take advantage of the weakened Ravens secondary. So I, I get it from both perspectives. I think I, it, it the, should have worked. Ultimately yeah, what it comes so, down to is it should have worked. It should have been John Harbaugh's a hero crushing loss to the Steelers, but the execution just wasn't there. Yeah. To play devil's advocate. I mean, yeah, the, the play was there. They had a good play, but, but Lamar just needs to have better touch on that throw. And and I'll admit, I guess the reason why I wasn't for it is not not only because of, uh, you know, what I said about how, if, what does that say about your team if you can't stop Big Ben in overtime? But you also, like you said, you also have Justin Tucker, so you, you definitely feel great about your chances if you get the stop and go for the field goal. But I'll admit, I'm also just not a 
huge fan of John Harbaugh. I mean, not saying he's a bad mean, coach. I, he's a I, great I totally coach. Get it. Yeah. He's a top five head coach, but I'll admit, there sometimes just irks me where he he tries to be the man or he tries to look like the hero a lot of times. I mean, do you remember week two when they faced the Chiefs and it was like, hey, yeah, Lamar, he you want to go for it? Yeah, and then and then on fourth down, it's like, oh, you want to go for it? And that 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 video got played on a loop. Like, oh my god, look at John Harbaugh. He has so much trust in Lamar and and, and he's his guys. And what a great coach he is. I mean, I I think that I thought that was a little fraudulent because what if Lamar got stopped there? The Casey gets the ball back and they go for the game winning field goal and hit it. And then people are going to look at Harbaugh like, what what the heck are you doing? And then I I I I, I think that if if that were to happen, Harbaugh would have just been like, well, don't look at me. Uh, these guys want wanted to go for it. I, I believe in them. And I don't know. I I. I think Harbaugh tries to look too much like the hero, and and like what you said, uh, Tomlin he he comes out in the press conference saying that, yeah, well, uh, the Ravens they're uh, very uh, aggressive analytically, and from that standpoint, they're predictable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, you, great. when you kind of know they're gonna go for it on fourth down, and they're gonna take advantage of their their uh, offensive weapons, and it does make sense that it can be kind of easy to know what's coming doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna stop it but tj watt did just enough 16 sacks in only nine and a half games so i i like his chances a defensive player of the year but i've yeah. said that two years in a row and it still hasn't happened so i mean uh, the only reason why i disagreed was because of just how great he was last year mm-hmm. and, and they still honestly probably should have gotten it but yeah. di- still didn't is that's why I, th- I just thought it was hard to repeat, but he's he's had another great year. Mm-hmm. So, and it was a great play as well. Yep. Yeah, three and a half sacks in this one. Chris Warmly had two and a half against his former team, so a nice revenge game from him. So with that, let's move on and let's talk about the Patriots who went into Buffalo and it, it was not ideal football conditions. People can say, oh, that's football weather all they want. Uh, the reality is that was not football weather. That was... Uh, something else but the Patriots took advantage of those conditions and they pull out the 14 to 10 win so part of me I guess going into this episode before knowing what the game happened I was like if the Patriots win I'm gonna say oh the Brian you looking at flights from Boston to LA in February like oh they're going to the Super Bowl all this stuff but then I'm like okay but how much can we really take away from this game because of those crazy conditions but then I think again and I'm like Bill Belichick voodoo magic i don't know what it is but the patriots they they keep finding these ways to pull out these games and they they're taking advantage of, of you know situations and opponents and it feels like yeah like as much as you can say this is a weird game and you can't totally judge these teams on a you know more i guess less windy conditions I, I, it, it's just it feels like th- this is enough like now they're nine and four the bills are seven and six they have a one or seven and five they have a one and a half game advantage and it's just things like this that has always happened for the patriots they're still happening now it doesn't matter if mac jones is playing quarterback or tom brady how would you feel if you're a bills fan it just oh, it would suck <laughs> you yeah you finally have tom brady out of your division and then the the first year you finally look like the the best team in in the afc east and it looks like it's gonna be gonna be like that for years to come but then all of a sudden after one season, the Patriots they get uh, all a lot of these players in, through the draft and free agency, and next thing you know, <laughs> the Patriots are back in, not only in first place in the AFC East, but now first place in the AFC. 
Yeah, it's um not not something that we expected what, seven or eight weeks ago when the Patriots were two and four and felt like they couldn't win games against tough opponents, but they, they keep finding ways to pull these out. Yeah, and, it's not it's not pretty. But no, they, it's not. I mean, Mac Jones threw three passes, <laughs> two yeah, for three for nineteen that's yards. Like, that's like a kid uh, not doing anything on school project and still getting an A. Yeah, well, it was uh, you know Bill Belichick. We know he's he's a big um, fan of the Navy, so he's giving us a little preview of that Army Navy game this week with that <laughs> with his mask, the yeah. Navy mask, uh-huh. right? Yeah, I mean it, it's incredible, and it's like yeah, you can say that it's a you know crazy game and no oh, mac jones he doesn't trust him to throw in horrible conditions like that but the reality uh, is he knows yeah. how to run this I, game yeah, I, and that I've was been, it it was all about the run game I, and the patriots run game is better than the bills run game i've been yeah i've been critical of uh sometimes of how the patriots game plans are particularly for mac jones and just being way too conservative but in this game i'm not gonna fault them whatsoever like that the the wind was absurd in this game and mac jones doesn't exactly have much of a track record when it comes to playing in bad weather games. He, he was from Jacksonville and he went to Alabama. And there, there, there was, was even tweet. a tweet out there yeah. that shows uh, I've never seen snow before. Yeah, that's from twenty. <laughs> I know that was years which, ago, but it's, it's I mean, still. It, I don't think he saw much snow in Tuscaloosa either. So yeah, and so I, I don't blame the Patriots whatsoever for. Uh, establishing the run as much as they did in this game. I mean, especially just given how bad the Bills' run defense has been uh, over these past few weeks. I mean, combine, combining the losses to the Patriots and the Colts, uh, both games at home, they've they've allowed they allowed 486 rushing yards in in both of those losses. It, I mean, the I mean the 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 Patriots certainly exploited a weakness uh in the bills mm-hmm. defense which i didn't think was a weakness but i i think it's shown over the past few games here for the bills that they're actually uh, a team that you can exploit through the run yeah and i, I think that the numbers they certainly pop out with the 222 rushing yards you did have a 64 yard touchdown run by david yeah Harris, one of so. I, I will say in the beginning of that game i didn't I was not a fan of how often that they were running it. Uh, I think I think it was like their first tw- what what twelve plays were run or something like that. They, they had like there was there was a point in the game where they had thirty runs running plays in a row, and, and we could see the stats where Mac Jones only had three passes. And yeah, like the first eight plays, they had eight they had eight runs that basically went nowhere. And but then all of a sudden, Damian Harris uh, takes it to the house and and shows that that game plan worked out after all yeah i mean it, you just kept pounding the ball on them and all it took was just getting through the hole and when the the bills were sacking the box like they were all you had to do is get by everybody and boom there's no chance and that, that ended up being a huge difference in this game so uh and that to me is something that can continue to be a problem like you said with the bills not being able to stop the run as well as other teams and also not being able to run the ball themselves and when you're talking about oh playoff football so it can certainly be yeah, that can be there, a thing there, that matters a lot because you know it might not be forty-five degrees and blustery and snowy, but it could still be enough conditions where running the ball is more favorable. Yeah, I, I made the joke that the Ravens' best running back is Lamar Jackson, <laughs> but honestly, the the best running back on the Bills 
Would it be Probably Josh, Josh Allen? Because yeah. they're they're getting nothing out of Zach Moss or Devin Singletary or no. Matt Zach Frieda, Moss has been had, a healthy who, scratch multiple times. Yeah, and I I didn't even know. I thought he was a healthy scratch again until I saw him last night and on the field again. Like wow, he's he's back for for whatever reason. And 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 then Matt Breida had that horrible fumble to begin the game. Uh, and so yeah, they're they're not they're not getting anything from their run defense or. Uh, offensively uh running the ball as well and and then even josh allen uh, i thought i thought josh allen was i don't want to say he was great in this game but i thought he was pretty good but in a game like last night wouldn't you want to have more design runs for josh allen he only had six rush rushing attempts and which is a decent amount for a quarterback but with his skill set and the weather wouldn't you want to run him a, a, a lot yeah, more. Yeah, you would think so. It, it worked well. Like, when he was running the ball, it felt like he was picking it up. Most of the time, he was scrambling, but he would find ways to pick up first down or close to it whenever he did. And, yeah, throwing 30 passes in that condition, I get he has a strong arm, but he only completed 15 of them. So, obviously, he wasn't, um, you know, able to take advantage of the wind and those conditions regardless. So, I do think that, Josh Allen running the ball more would have made sense. Obviously, you want to protect your quarterback, and that's more important in the end. But it was uh, definitely a better game plan from Bill Belichick and the Patriots than from Sean McDermott and the Bills. Oh, much, much, much better game plan uh, for the Patriots than the Bills. And the, and the Bills, from a coaching standpoint, I mean, I don't want to say Sean McDermott sucks as a head coach. I think he's out of the past bills head coaches he's he's one of the better ones maybe even the best one that they've had for all these years but uh, i don't know he he made some questionable decisions in that game particularly the challenge in that third quarter yeah, I don't know right? if you remember that uh-huh. i mean you can't even see mac mac jones on that sneak how can how can you how can the refs look at that and say oh we're going to reverse this yeah we're, that was we're, definitely we're going to get the waste. bills the ball back that was that was an absurd challenge and that cost them at the end of the game because once the the Bills turned it over on down in the fourth quarter with two minutes left to go. They only had one timeout left. Yep, and they weren't and able to get I'm, the ball back. I, and I'm not saying that the Bills would have marched down the field and won if they had those timeouts, but they at least would have had a could chance. have given them a chance to get yeah. the ball back and maybe uh, draw something up. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's ridiculous whenever coaches waste timeouts on bad challenges. So, uh, especially in the second half. Yeah, right when you need those timeouts late in the game. That's uh, yeah, it's, it's and, brutal and, and, to do that. And it wasn't only that challenge, but the other timeout that they had to waste was because they they weren't set or they weren't ready when they were at the the goal line, the second to last drive mm-hmm. of the game, uh, and that cost them because they had to bring out Tyler Bass for a field goal. And he's specifically said that this is one of the before the game he was saying that this is one of the worst. Uh, weather games he's ever been a part of and doesn't feel comfortable kicking there's a video of him kicking in practice and the ball just stops and just goes way way right and so it it looked it didn't look like a great night to be kicking especially going that way yeah sending out a kicker down four points and having him miss the field goal it just that's just such a Backbreaking miss at that point where it's yeah, like I mean you part of me, don't get any points and the points you would have gotten you're still losing anyway so yeah part part of me kind of gets it because all right if you you can make it a one point game which means if you on your last drive hey if if you are that close from a field goal like let's do it but 
that was still far enough for him to miss in it those wide, conditions. Wide, yeah, wide right, it was only which a is what happened. Yard field goal. Yeah, I mean it's in the conditions. That's that's the thing. Like of course, like the Steelers had the same situation where they were down thirteen to nine. It made sense for Boswell to kick a field goal to make it thirteen to twelve. But in this situation, it didn't. It was one of those yeah, things it, where it's like if it was almost better if you just turned it over and gave the Patriots, uh, you know, field position in that worst case scenario. Yeah, just trying to play both sides of it because I would have, I would have preferred if I were, if I were the Bills, I would have preferred to go for the touchdown rather than the field goal, even mm-hmm. on fourth and long. Yeah, I, I still probably would have gone for the touchdown just given the conditions. Yep. So. Uh, definitely a big win for the Patriots. They go into the bye now, and their last four games are relatively favorable. We'll see. They'd have a rematch against the Bills. We said that Saturday night game against the Colts, and then the, the Jaguars at home on January 2nd. That should be, uh, that, that should that be a one's tough a f- one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the, that other than that game, I think the other three games will be competitive, but I I, I definitely feel good great about the Patriots right now much better of course than I expected them to be this season and they have a legit shot at the one seed now especially not just given how they're playing of late but just given how the rest of the AFC looks at the moment yep so the the Patriots won seven in a row they're not the only team with a big winning streak and I guess one team that is starting to once again look like a big threat in the AFC the Kansas City Chiefs they beat the Broncos 22 to 9 on Sunday Night Football they've won five in a row they're eight and four are you starting to think that uh maybe they are the the biggest threat in the AFC once again after their their slow start uh the biggest threat to the Patriots or just yeah, to, or I guess in general, I would say to the Patriots because the Patriots are the one seed right now, but right. in general, in terms of so, anyone else being that one seed. I mean, I actually, uh, I'd never thought I'd be saying this, but I think the Patriots are the favorite and deserved favorite to be the one seed. But yeah, who do I think is the biggest threat to the Patriots? I get, yeah, I guess I would say the Chiefs, especially since they've, especially given how they perform defensively, uh, of late they they gave up only 14 to the Raiders nine to the Cowboys and then nine to the Broncos but I mean the Broncos well first of all first of all the Broncos offense well I mean Jesus it's bad <laughs> like, I know I uh, thought I, mean, I, I was hopeful for their offense coming into the season and Teddy Bridgewater he's had his moments but he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL it, it's su- it sucks because uh I, I mean the Patrick Sertan has looked great this year and he's definitely a stud and I mean, I mean, and their their offensive weapons are pretty good. Sutton and Jerry Judy and Javante Williams had a great game. Yeah, he was uh, awesome on Sunday night. He finally had a breakout game. Uh, yeah, help with no Melvin Sunday. Gordon. To and, yeah, with no from. Melvin Gordon, they so they finally realized that hey, this <laughs> this guy should be the starter instead. And so, so it's a good game for him. But yeah, the the one obvious missing piece that I've said several times is they need a quarterback. And we saw one year of Drew Locke. That's certainly did not work out and this year with Teddy Bridgewater even though he looked pretty good in the past uh, especially with New Orleans when he had come in for Drew Brees uh, a few years ago he looked good but no he's not the answer and and they need they need to establish uh uh they got they got to get a quarterback they got to find a way to get a quarterback next season Trevor Simeon Paxton Lynch Joe Flacco oh. Uh, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I'm Brock sure there are other guys. Yeah, Brock yeah, Osweiler. Like it, it's just been a mess for the Broncos ever since Peyton, uh, you know, retired. So 
I don't I don't trust them to ever get a quarterback. <laughs> it's the old, it's the one piece that they need because the one thing, their yeah. defense is great and John Elway got... just refuses to let anyone else take over as the uh, greatest quarterback in Broncos history. So the only way to make sure that happened is to bring in guys who don't have any chance of doing it. How good would the Broncos be if they had Rodgers at quarterback? Or they just, would be really good. Even That's a, why I thought he made a ton of sense. Even just a first-rounder, first-round pick next year on a quarterback. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, speaking of the Chiefs, uh, yeah, I mean, they're. I guess they're the biggest threat to the Patriots at the moment, especially with how good they've looked defensively. But offensively, they don't Offense is still They don't look issue. the same. I still, I still think at some point it'll turn around, but they're – they're not the same team offensively, even though they still have their core weapons. It uh, it looks hard, you know what I mean? Like for the Chiefs, you know how like past past several years, the Chiefs' offense is just uh, so explosive. And they make, make mm-hmm. everything look so easy. I, yep. This year, it, they make it look so difficult. Even when they do uh, complete first downs and and get and get the ball in the end zone it still doesn't look the same as other years and for whatever reason and Mahomes hasn't even thrown a touchdown in in, in what three four weeks well he He's had not... the huge game against the Raiders where he threw like what, yeah five and, or six and I'll touchdowns. admit like, it, it's kind of cheating because they had a bye week and so they did yeah <laughs> but yeah I mean he, he has that big a, game you're like oh is the offense back in... yes no, he didn't two throw a touchdown against the Cowboys. He didn't throw games. one against the Broncos. And the defense is looking so great right now. That's why I think, okay, the Chiefs don't need to score 41 points. They can still beat you with this defense. But what, there's what still questions What makes you think that that's going to continue, though? I, I, I know guess it's look good, but what... It was like, bad when, when at the start of the season. So, yes, I get that. That's what I'm saying. Like, what Would it surprise you whatsoever if they just came back down to earth and just looked it looked mediocre again on defense or, or looked no below average. because it, it is strange because I thought their defense was somewhere in the middle of how terrible they were at the beginning and how great they are now so I do think that there is still some the middle ground yeah I think there's still somewhere where they're going to get to and it, it will take the offense to play like they should because it, we we've seen some games at least some halves where Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and uh, you know Clyde Edwards-Helaire—they're all playing like the offense that they should be, but we haven't seen it enough. It's not been consistent, so it's uh, it's definitely frustrating with this team because it feels like they should be so much better. You look at them and say, "Oh, they're eight and four. Like, yeah, they're starting to put it together. They've won five in a row, but there's still like a lot of question marks and there's still a lot to be desired." Is it stupid to say that I have more confidence in? the Chiefs offense turning it around than the Chiefs defense playing continue continuing to play like they have of late. I still expect both things to change where yeah, I, their offense like turns it around at some point. It shouldn't defense be a there. silly statement like say, oh, that the Chiefs offense should be better than the Chiefs defense. But I guess with the way that they're playing right now, it's like I don't know. I I do. It doesn't agree make that sense I think to they, me. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I I get it. It like doesn't make sense that the Chiefs' defense is better than the Chiefs' offense. So, it, I like I want to agree with that. I want to believe that the Chiefs are going to turn it around. But I just I don't know. I guess the offense is, has been good enough these past few weeks. The defense has been dominant. And like yeah, they did it against the Broncos, but they also did it against uh, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. And even Derek Carr Raiders' offense has been really good, and they mostly held them in check. So. I don't know. It's it's a tough one. Um, definitely interested I, to see what they do down the stretch. They they still play 
three divisional opponents. They play the Steelers and the Bengals. So they, the schedule is not necessarily super easy for the Chiefs. Like they, they have some tough games. So we'll kind of start to see uh, what they're really made of heading forward. I'll fully admit that I don't have any numbers or stats to back it up. I just just going on pedigree <laughs> yeah i mean it, yeah that that makes sense there are no stats to say that the uh the offense <laughs> should turn it around that the defense isn't this good so uh they they're not the only team that's won five in a row another team the miami dolphins they were one in seven now they're six and seven and i kind of am disappointed in myself because a few weeks ago, they beat the Ravens on Thursday night football. So they beat the Texans coming out of the trade deadline. Then they beat the Ravens. And I remember thinking, like looking at their schedule, like, man, the Dolphins have a reasonable shot at getting to seven and seven, playing the Jets twice, the Panthers and the Giants. But I just, I didn't bring it up for whatever reason. I, I didn't write it down or something and it just never came out. And now here they are, a win over the Jets following the bye from actually getting to seven and seven and potentially putting on this great turnaround to get back into the playoffs. Yeah, and then after that, they got the Saints with probably Taysom at quarterback now. And yeah, I'll admit I'm a bigger fan of Taysom than you, but even I know deep down that he's not exactly... It's a a, shame how the Saints are so good with Jameis Winston and they just have been so terrible without him. Yeah, and then then after that, they got the Titans who, who... I mean, I know they have a great record, but we'll see how Depends they look. Yeah, I don't know how healthy they'll be by that. Yeah, that health is definitely a factor because they get Julio back this week and then they get A.J. Brown next week. And I'd imagine Derrick Henry will still be gone by then. Yeah, well, we'll, or, excuse me, will still be gone or, or out then, but possibly coming back at some point at the very end of the regular season or beginning of the playoffs. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's week it. 17, so certainly possible he'll be back for that one. And then, right. yeah, week 18, they play the Patriots. So Who obviously have been terrific of late, winning seven in a row. But they, they always suck one. at, Mi- always at Miami. Yeah. No matter how good their teams have been, they've always, at Miami, has never been a game I've enjoyed. Or, or at least so, coming into it. Yeah. So do you think the uh, the Dolphins, when it's all said and done, are going to end up in the playoff picture? No. Nah. <laughs> I don't though, either. I think that... even Even though I thought... Uh, very beginning of the season, I thought they had a legit shot at being a wild card team, and I guess they still kind of do. I, I, I'm not. I'm definitely not as confident in the Dolphins uh, before the season than I am now. I've seen the Dolphins flame out down the stretch too many times to think that this yeah, will be I, different. Yeah, so. I, I, I think they benefited a lot from a super easy stretch in the schedule where they got to face the Texans. The Ravens is the one good win, but after that it was the Jets, the Panthers with Cam Newton, who is clearly not great now, and the Giants, who might have one of the worst offenses in the league. They, <laughs> with Mike they Lennon. Have, yeah, with Mike Lennon too as well. That Just just to only make it worse. The Jonathan Taylor has 18 touchdowns this year. The New York Giants have 18 touchdowns this year. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> to yeah, show you that's, how bad, that's bad. the uh-huh. To show you how bad the Giants have been. Jake Fromm might be starting at quarterback for them this week. I mean, it, it can only... Can it? I didn't think it could get worse, but if you get Jake <laughs> from State Farm out there, then maybe yeah. it could get worse. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk about his former college in a bit. But uh, I guess one last team to talk about that is also winning a lot of games right now, but maybe a little more legit, uh, and that's the Washington football team, as they've won four in a row. Started with a win over the Bucks, and they haven't lost some momentum. They beat the Raiders this week, which is a huge win because 
Did you hear about the Raiders coin flip guy? No. So someone before the season, a Raiders fan, flipped a coin to determine every single outcome of the Raiders game, and he had been 11-0 and to that point, but he had the Raiders beating Washington, and Washington won, so Washington was stronger than the coin, finally snapping that um, long and crazy win streak. So uh, Washington 6-6, six and six, they're in the playoff picture right now, and they play the Dallas Cowboys this week, who at 8-4, and four are maybe taking a little bit of a step back compared to where they had been. Do you think that Washington has a chance to catch Dallas? Um, still have two games against them in addition to two games against the Eagles and then a trip to New York to face the Giants in Week 18. I mean, I don't want to say no chance at catching, the, at catching Dallas, especially since Dallas has, like you said, regressed a little bit of late. But no, I if I were to pick, no, I'd still lean Dallas to win the division and I mean, credit to Washington, though, for this stretch that they're on, especially after losing Chase Young for the season. And I'm I'm surprised that they're still in it because their defense coming into the season, I thought would be one of the best defenses this year. And I'd imagine a lot of people also thought that as well. But their defense has looked terrible all season. But the last two games, the, the games that they don't have Chase Young, for whatever reason, have been their two of their best yeah, games uh, defensively. Two games in a row where they've won exactly seventeen to fifteen, and uh, even though their last couple of games have been super high scoring, I'm I'm still uh, a believer in Taylor Heineke leading their offense. Uh, yeah, he's he's been great. Ryan Fitzpatrick officially out for the season, so uh, that's such, uh, that's such a shame. But even, yeah, even so, looking at the glass uh, half full, you still got an, another great quarterback <laughs> out there in <laughs> Heineke, and Gibson has looked pretty good of late. Um, he's he's been battling with a shin injury all season, but look, it looks yeah, like he's, he's he it looks like he's uh getting healthier. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Terry McLaurin is obviously a stud, and uh, if their if their defense can play like it has the past two games, they 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 definitely have a shot. But I don't know two games against the Cowboys again the the, the team that they're chasing but they still yeah. have no i mean it's, my opinion, it's gonna come i think this week is gonna be huge because the cowboys right. win then you can pretty much put it to bed but if washington wins they're only a game back and they're with the, the cowboys are it, it does not it does as help good they as have, they had been it so. does help that they have two other games left to go versus the eagles who are they're not they're not terrible but they're they're not the greatest team either six and, and, seven. and then one game against and the, then Giants, the Giants who suck. Yeah. yeah. So their their schedule is favorable enough to at least get them into the playoffs as right. a wild card team. I didn't believe in their chances heading in the season. A lot of teams have disappointed in the NFC or things haven't gone their way. So it's certainly opened the door for Washington. That's uh, definitely but, a factor. It, you know, especially especially someone like uh a team like the Vikings, like we said earlier, losing yeah. to the Lions. Yeah, and, and the then, Saints then just drop- losing Jameis Winston and falling apart. So right. And then the Niners also losing this week to keep mm-hmm. them tied in the yep. in the NFC. Yeah, and I, I think with um, Washington, it really wouldn't surprise me if they beat the Cowboys, even though I think the Cowboys are a better team, just because, like, I don't know, it feels like Dallas is struggling recently. I know they beat the Saints, but, again, I think that had more to do with the Saints' that offense had move, than that the had, Cowboys. That had more to do with uh, how the Saints looked offensively than than. Yeah, and I guess my Cowboys. thing with Dallas is, like, so many people were saying, oh, they're, like, the – 
the scariest team in the league. They're the biggest threat in the NFC. And I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Because coming into the season, I thought the Cowboys would win the NFC East. I thought they'd be a playoff team. But I still like, I felt like there was something there that was holding them back compared to some of the other teams. And I don't know what it was. Like some of these last few games, you can say, oh, they didn't have Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb or whatever. But their, their defense has been better. Their offense is, still has a ton of weapons. They should be really good, but we, we've seen a few of these losses getting killed by the Broncos at home and then losing to the Chiefs where you know their defense shuts down Mahomes, but they get shut down even worse by the Chiefs' defense. So it's, uh, it's certainly difficult for me to think that the Cowboys should just be able to you know cakewalk to the division still and that they should have no problem with Washington, even though I feel like they are the more talented team. Yeah, it, it, that's definitely a fair point to say that uh, it's it's not a cakewalk for them to win the division. But I I, I think I think the Amari loss and CD loss uh, definitely hurt them uh, in the Chiefs and uh, Raiders games. Uh, uh, Raiders, yeah, the Raiders game on Thanksgiving, especially since they suck on Thanksgiving. <laughs> still scored thirty three <laughs> points without them. Michael Gallup yeah, but they and still lost. did a lot. I know they did, but I, I, think it, I don't think that had as much to do with the offense. I thought the other guys stepped up still. It's been a combination of both. Uh, some some of the games have been more on the offense and some more on the defense. And so, yeah, it's been it, they're, they're all fair points, but I still I still expect Dallas to win the division. It's certainly a question of how how much they can uh, how far they can advance after that, though, is the bigger question. Which obviously time will tell in, in a month. Yeah, I think momentum is going to be really big uh, when it comes to the NFC playoffs. They're just sorting through teams. And the Cowboys, they don't have the momentum right now, but I guess they do have a chance to get back on track. And it would be a big win for them going into FedEx Field and beating Washington this week. All right, that'll do it for the NFL talk. Let's talk a little college football. College football playoffs field is set. And not really any surprises. We get Alabama's the one seed, Michigan two, Georgia three, Cincinnati four, based on everything Saturday. I think everyone pretty much expected this to be the exact field. Yeah, pretty much, especially with Alabama beating Georgia. Uh, that that definitely solidified. Yeah, convincingly too. That That's the thing that surprised me about that game is that just given how dominant Georgia has looked all year, I thought... I I would have said Alabama would win, but I didn't think it'd be not convincing, and that and that kind of that kind of depresses me because I'll admit I'm not when it comes to college football I'm not as big of a fan, and part of it or a huge part of it is because of Alabama just being way too good to the point where even the championship games, uh, particularly last year, uh, that one wasn't even a convincing game, and they've had other other national championship games that weren't even that great that convincing uh coincidentally notre dame uh several years ago where they won it all uh so yeah like it sucks that alabama's number one again but whatever and yeah like the other three teams they deserve all deserve to make it especially cincinnati not losing a single game i'm, I'm so which is glad great but at the, at the same time they're 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 16 point underdogs versus alabama and I don't know. <laughs> I think I think they to... can. I think they can make it close. I think uh, Cincinnati can match up well with Bama. I I don't know. It's it's weird though because I think going into the season there were some questions about Alabama, and then they started to win a bunch of games, and it was like, oh, this they it's Alabama and everybody else, and then they lose to A and M, and it's like, okay, no, it's Georgia and everyone else, and Alabama beats Georgia, and I'm like, okay, 
So is it back to Alabama is easily the best team in the country? And I, I think they're going to win it all. I think they're going to beat Cincinnati. I think they're going to beat Georgia in a rematch. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, how much of it can like can Georgia put up a fight against them? Can Cincinnati actually put up a fight? I know a lot of people want to say that they can. Uh, Bryce Young, he's probably going to win the Heisman. He's probably going to win point. the Heisman now. I yeah. think his fourth quarter against Auburn and then his performance at SC Championship game locked it up for him. Yeah, so but before that, there was no clear Heisman candidate. And no, not at all. Now that he, now that the, Alabama was in a really close game versus Auburn, a game that went into multiple overtimes, he he was a big reason why they were able to pull off that win, and then of course dominate Georgia. And so yeah, four hundred passing yards in this one. Yeah, I I think so. And it's crazy because he's probably not even Alabama's best player. Will Anderson on defense is phenomenal he won he defensive player of the year right yeah Whatever he should have been nominated somehow Aiden Hutchinson in Michigan got a Heisman nomination a Heisman yeah him. Heisman finalist but he, he didn't even end up winning the the no no Will Anderson has twice as many um no he, he has more sacks twice as many tackles uh no yeah twice as many tackles and I don't know is it twice as many tackles for a loss maybe the stats, everything is in Anderson's favor easily. I have no idea how Hutchinson got the nomination. Is he the is him. is he the Wolverines' best player? Is that part of it? I mean, he's probably he was awesome against Ohio State. I, I guess Hassan Haskins, their running back, might be, but it, it's it's one or the other with Hutchinson. I mean, Hutchinson is a projected top five draft pick, so it's not that Hutchinson is like not deserving. It's just crazy that he got a nomination over Anderson. Just looking at the stats, it doesn't really make sense. So, um, but yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm looking forward to the playoff as much as I mean. Well, I don't really look forward to it that much since it's always Alabama, Clemson, and then just two other random teams. But I thought this year, just given that Alabama they they had a loss and they almost lost to Auburn, I thought there was a legit shot of, and then factoring in that Clemson is was just awful this year. I thought finally we're relatively. Gonna have, it's still what nine. We're gonna three. have. I thought finally we'll have two different teams in the championship game. Two, and it'd be, it'd be a lot closer. But it looks like Alabama is just gonna roll over these teams. Yeah, whoever I, they face, assuming they beat Cincinnati, which I think is a very safe assumption. I I think that Alabama would blow out Michigan. I don't think Michigan's beating Georgia. I don't know if that's just SEC bias, but I I think that Georgia's defense is more than capable of shutting down Michigan's offense, and I I, I don't know. I think that'll be a closer game probably, but I still think uh, the, Georgia uh, wins, and the... then Alabama's going to beat Georgia. Actually, what I think is going to happen is Alabama is going to beat Georgia. Maybe not the same like national championship game where like Georgia was up at halftime and then Alabama ended up winning in overtime. I think it's going to be closer than it was, but I still think Alabama is going to win. Uh, I think Michigan. Uh, I think Michigan Georgia will be a much, uh, a much more entertaining game than the Alabama Cincinnati one. I think. I think it that should could be. be. I think that could be potentially a, a closer game than people realize. But Georgia will probably win. As bad as they looked versus Alabama, they of course looked amazing in every other game they've played. So. Would you have had a problem if the committee decided that Cincinnati should be above Georgia or Michigan should be above Bama, and we had a Bama Georgia rematch in the semifinals? Yeah, I wouldn't have won. I I'm glad with the matchups are the way they are. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have minded uh, 
if Michigan were the one seed and Georgia were the four seed and then and then Alabama two and Cincinnati three, but I, I I wouldn't have been a fan of seeing Alabama and Georgia again two games in a row. If that yeah, makes sense. I totally agree with that. I think that the committee got I, it I, right. Yeah, in I terms think of one seed, through four, I think the seedings was they got all four of them right. But all four teams and all four. I would right. I would not have an issue if the committee moved the lines to make it so you didn't have a conference rematch like that in the the semifinals. I know uh, during the the announcement show like reese davis and kirk hershey were like no the committee would not do that like we would hope they wouldn't they would just stack the teams one through four nobody wants to see a rematch i think it was always going to be bama cincinnati georgia michigan just a matter of what the seeds were so this is probably a silly question to bring up but if alabama lost to georgia in the sec championship game do you think they would have put Alabama in the playoffs still, or do you think they would? No, have they would have taken Bama out. I think yeah. Notre Dame would have okay, gone. Okay, good because I would have thought that would if, if they put Alabama in with, with two, two losses, losses and not that would being that would have just broken the system. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, because like there was a thought of would two loss Baylor get in over undefeated Cincinnati, and I I would have been really disappointed. Like they ended up putting Baylor seven behind both Notre Dame and Ohio State, so they weren't close, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that Cincinnati got in and that we don't have to worry about a two loss team, like whatever Alabama's a one seed, they beat Georgia. So, or even Notre Dame, right? Yeah. I mean, Notre Dame getting in over Cincinnati would have been ridiculous considering that yeah. Cincinnati beat them head to head. Right. So that too. Yeah. Um, so I guess, uh, a couple more thoughts on just, uh, conference championship games. So, really disappointed that Pitt lost to Western Michigan earlier in the year because I think they had a decent shot of getting into the playoffs. I don't know if they would have gotten in over Cincinnati with their one loss being a home game in Miami, but they end up winning the AC championship game, blowing out Wake Forest. Uh, did you see Kenny Pickett's fake slide? I did, yes. Yeah, what I are did your thoughts that. on that? It's very controversial. Uh, I'll, I'll admit, I don't know what side to pick because my first reaction when I saw the play was, wow, that was such a great move. Why, how come people, yeah, right? how, I thought how come more really quarterbacks cool. don't do that? that? That's such an effective uh-huh. move. But then my other thought was, wow, that kind of is cheap to do that because if you do that, then defensive players have all, have every right to just, you know, go, go, out, go all out the next time you try to do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that they're going <laughs> to, put in some kind of rule to make that a penalty, which it makes sense. But in the moment, yeah. I thought it was really cool. It ended up being a 58-yard touchdown. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. And I, I, I guess when they – everyone was – it was a fake slide. In the moment, I thought it was he was going to slide, and I was like, wait, never mind. I can keep going. But, yeah, I guess that that, that would have been slightly different, I guess. But it's still the same concept. You're I, I, saying I, you're going to give yourself up. The defenders were like, oh, back off. And then, no, he kept going. So it is it is a cheap move. But Yeah, I have the exact same thoughts where in, in the moment, I'm like, wow, that was so great. But afterwards, it's like, yeah, that if, if, if a quarterback were ever to do that again, it should be a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> as a Pitt fan, I enjoyed it. But, um, you know, I guess as a neutral perspective, probably should uh, should make a rule to make that not okay. So now Pitt is going to play Michigan State in the Peach Bowl in the battle of the two schools we really wanted to go to in high school because we loved rooting for their sports teams. Should uh should we do a double or nothing on the no, cranberry? <laughs> no, no, no bet on that one. One is one is enough. I'll take my win. <laughs> Plus, it's it's not it's on December thirtieth, so you'd have yeah. to eat twice if Pitt wins. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then 
the uh, the Pac-12 championship game was also um, it didn't end up having a ton of meaning from the playoff perspective, but I do think it's really cool. Utah going to their first ever Rose Bowl after joining the Pac-12 10 years ago. And I now have a new draft crush, Devin Lloyd. I'm convincing myself that he's going to be like the next Micah Parsons, that he's just like a do-it-all defensive, like linebacker, pass rusher. He had a pick six early in this one. I was like, wow, this guy's awesome. Um, I don't think the Seals will be able to get him. He's going to be like a top 10 pick, and with uh, their sixth win, that probably puts them out of it. But he certainly could be um, one of those pieces that the the defense could need to get back to that elite status in the past couple of years. I mean, if that guy's anything like Micah Parsons, <laughs> I, I would, I'd be, I'd be all for him too. Yeah, man. I mean, that might be a really bad Mel Kiper draft analysis on my part, just from watching one one play and like hearing a couple things about him. But uh, it was, he was certainly interesting to watch um, play in that one and see him do well. Um, and then the other thing, so Oregon's head coach Mario Cristobal, no longer Oregon's head coach, he leaves for Miami. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the way Miami went about that, where they were still having Manny Diaz as coach recruiting, but were actively working on replacing him with Cristobal? I did not know that. That sucks. I I knew I knew that they got a new head coach, but I didn't know that was. That was actually the case. Wow. They didn't that... fire Diaz until Cristobal was like ready <laughs> that, to that's sign That's a low on. move then. <laughs> it is. I don't it, like that. I, yeah, part of me feels really bad for Diaz, but at the same time, he signed on as head coach at Temple and then left when the Miami job opened, taking on a better opportunity. So it's kind of, I don't, I don't know that it's karma necessarily, but like, hey, this, that's what this business is. It, it, that's, you, the the biz- that's the way the business. You did the same thing. Business. So it's tough to totally right. feel bad for you. Okay, that, that makes sense. Yeah, um, it's still still a terrible thing to do, uh, regardless. So, right. <laughs> but Cristobal is a great head coach. He's from Miami. Makes sense that he ended up back there. So, um, certainly think that he has a possibility of turning around the U, getting him back on track. But we'll see. I think we've been thinking that for a long time, and they haven't been able to get there. So, I think it's a good transition into. The coaching carousel. We talked about it last episode that uh, there are a lot of big jobs open. It should be an interesting um, carousel season. Just who's going to take over the two big ones, Southern Cal and LSU. And back-to-back days, you get hit with huge news that Lincoln Riley's leaving Oklahoma for LA and Brian Kelly is leaving Notre Dame for LSU. So let's start with Riley and uh, I think that this one is particularly interesting, not just that he was kind of given the keys to Norman when Bob Soups retired and appointed him as his successor at head coach and that he had a really good thing going for him, but Oklahoma announced earlier this year that they're moving to the SEC and now Lincoln Riley's dipping out and going to LA, going to the Pac-12, much less competition. So does that uh, what does that say about the uh the current state of Oklahoma um and their their switch from the Big Twelve to the SEC. Um not great timing for, for them, I guess, but great timing for Lincoln Riley, because uh that contract is absurd. A hundred and ten a hundred and ten million dollars. And then to add on to it, he also gets access to a, a private jet and mansions paid for as well by 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 USC. it's a great I gig mean, he's getting out there i mean uh, they're coming off a four and eight season i think it'll take a little while to turn it around but he's certainly going to have a much better chance at competing for a playoff in the national championship in the pac-12 than he would in the sec basically yeah, what the, he's the had S- in the big 12 the sec is 
way too competitive now. And, and you've been adamant about that, uh, the conference realignments and how much of a, uh, not a, a fan of it, uh, uh, like you've said in the past. And so mm-hmm. I think it's great timing for Lincoln Riley, but not great timing for Oklahoma. Give Not only just given how they're going to the SEC, the most competitive college football conference uh, in the nation, but also I, I Lincoln Riley's teams uh, at Oklahoma, they've been great offensively over the years. Uh, Baker Mayfield was a Heisman winner under him, and then Kyler, Kyler Murray, Murray was also Heisman. a Heisman, Heisman Trophy winner. They had CeeDee Lamb a couple years ago as a number, uh, as a first round pick at receiver. And so it hurts their offense. I'd imagine. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I guess I don't know how much of that is all on Lincoln Riley. I think that it's a, fa- Oklahoma, it's a factor. Oklahoma. It is. No, and Oklahoma still going to be a good program, but that was always a question mark as I'm going to the sec. Are they all of a sudden going to compete with Alabama and LSU and Auburn and, uh, you know, the Mississippi schools, Georgia, Florida, all these schools. I mean, even South Carolina, I'll throw them out there, even though they're a little step <laughs> below some of those. But, um, you know, SEC is a tough conference. Pac-12, not as much. And we saw Utah at 10-3 and just won the Pac-12 championship. Oregon had a shot to go to the playoffs, and they, they lost uh, two big games, you know, one to Utah and then one to Sanford that shouldn't have happened. Like, the, there's teams out there, but it's certainly the path is there for him to get to the playoffs. And, of course, the, the big thing is it's about not just making the playoffs but winning a national championship. And, you know, at Southern Cal, he has access to California, a lot of the West Coast. There's a lot of talent out there. So there should be reason to believe that he can get the Trojans back to where they were in, like, the Pete Carroll days. Right. Makes sense. And uh, it'll certainly be interesting what happens with Oklahoma from here. I will say I'm very happy that they got uh, Brent Venables from Clemson. He's turned out a lot of head coaching jobs after being one of the highest paid coordinators in the game. So he's gone. Hopefully that hurts Clemson and they have a, a tough time replacing him because he's certainly one of the better DCs in the game. So um, the other big hire, of course, Brian Kelly going from Notre Dame to LSU. And uh, this is certainly lit up the internet for a variety of reasons uh starting with his decision to leave and uh the way you know how he didn't inform his players they just found out he like texted them after the news broke yeah conference meeting for like four minutes the next day it was like 11 (laughs) so i think it was it started at 7 a.m i think he was on the plane at 7 11 so the the meeting itself was only about four minutes oh, okay. at that time where he's actually talking <laughs> to them. I don't think he took questions, but I don't know that anyone had questions. So uh, that, I don't know yeah, how I, many players actually showed up. I'm curious about both of those. If, if anyone, if he took questions from anyone and I mean, how many, yeah. And how many, how many players showed up for that meeting? Cause I, I don't, I don't know why, why would you show up for that meeting? Yeah, I mean, if, I, if he just left and it was <laughs> seven in the morning. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're football players. They're probably already up working out and everything, but yeah. I, I don't know. What are you supposed to say? Like, Oh, why do you leave us coach? Like you come back. Don't go. <laughs> that wasn't going to change anything. And I, 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 heard, I, get I read a story that there was someone, I, I don't know who it was, but there was someone on a recruiting trip. Yeah. I, okay. Uh, I wanted and to talk then, about and this. Then, and then right as he left the, whoever he was recruiting right yeah, after he left the house he finds out on his phone that brian kelly's li- 90 seconds after LSU. brian kelly's out the door it's he- like it just made me look terrible <laughs> yeah oh i know and well so i i i read the uh the article i assume it's the same one and with like the dad and his quotes or he's like oh i made him barbecue like you're gonna 
just come up with an excuse. Say you're sick. Don't come in. Don't come in and eat my food. It was like, oh, you want a gumbo? I got family from Louisiana. Just say you want gumbo. I'll make you gumbo. <laughs> really, really funny article. Uh, you know, fun, fun dad. It sounds like the guy, uh, the player. I think he's a wide receiver. He's still gonna go to Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame. They uh, promoted DC Marcus Freeman to head coach. They kept Tommy Reese. So they're they're doing everything they can to kind of keep their recruits around, keep everything the same. Just no head coach Brian Kelly, who. I mean, he did the same thing to Cincinnati. He dipped out on a 12-0 and team right as they're getting ready to play in the Sugar Bowl to go to Notre Dame, and he does something similar to go to LSU. So not totally surprising with the way it unfolds. Certainly not a great look on his part, but he's going to um, a much better job, a place where he has much more resources to be able to succeed, and I think he's going to have a lot of success at LSU. I actually don't know about that. I, I No? I, I don't know. Just given how tough the conference is. I mean, that's, yeah. How how good was Notre Dame even, really? I mean, he made them. They made the playoffs. Rel- he made twice them rele- in three years. relevant for some years. And yes, they made a national championship game one year and they made the college football playoff a few, uh, I think, twice. Yeah, I, they I made promise. it twice. And yeah, they. Yes, so, yeah. They... So he's he's put them more back on the map, more relevant, yes. But I, I don't know. Just because he couldn't beat Dabble or Saban? He's not a good coach. That's a big part of it, but I don't know. The SEC is so tough, and I know LSU did win. LSU is a part of it. Well, yeah, the last three head coaches at LSU have won a national championship with Ed Orgeron, Les Miles, and Nick Saban. So I think that Brian Kelly is going to make it four in a row. I do think he's going to win a national championship at some point at LSU. I'll fully admit it's kind of biased because I'm not a Brian Kelly fan. (laughs) They're just with uh, you remember that. Uh, interview in the beginning of the year where like he's, I he's think we should have pl- players. players executed. It's like yeah, like that was poorly uh, timed joke and and then uh, and then yeah, the way he left for the way he left Cincinnati for Notre Dame as well. And I don't I don't know. And then that stupid thing from uh, w- when he got hired for LSU and he's on the mic uh, and then, the basketball uh, game with the his basketball game. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I got my family here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's- it, it, I've been uh, living in the Carolinas for eight years after leaving New England, and I don't have a Southern accent. It took him uh, one day, the, the Massachusetts transport, to all of a sudden uh, be a, a full-blown Cajun down in Baton Rouge. So that that was incredible. Um, and I, I kind of get why he'd want to do that, to try to ingratiate himself with the fans. A lot of people were like, oh, this is a terrible hire because he can't eat spicy food. Like, okay, Come on now. Like, I get that it's LSU and that he's not Ed Orgeron, but when it comes yeah, Ed, to coaching... Ed, Ed O is cool. <laughs> he was a cool coach, but he was not, like, he's not the, the X's and O's I, type of coach that Brian Kelly I get, is. And, I get it. I'll, I'll admit. I, so not only am I not really a Brian Kelly fan, but I love I love uh, Ed O. He was awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Everyone <laughs> loves Coach O. So I, I do think Brian Kelly's going to have success. Like, here's one thing. Like, everyone can talk about Oh, yeah, at Notre Dame, he couldn't win the big game. Notre Dame has a 20% acceptance rate. Like, you're going to there to play football. Like, everyone is, like, they're all, uh, you know, on a roll every year in high school. Like, they do really well in school. That's a thing that you have to do in college. LSU, it's a 70% acceptance rate. He's going to have a much better time bringing in big recruits and having the, the, the talent that can win him a national championship that he couldn't have at Notre Dame. I will say that is a great point because, I mean, the Notre Dame standards 
I mean, I, I think they're kind of crazy. It's just like they're outdated. Those guys, they just want to play football. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> and it's, it's way more than that. And then, yeah, and they, it helps to have success when you're playing like service academies and Mac schools and you, you play the ACC, which that's not necessarily the best of the best, uh, you know, in most cases when it comes to the power five. But yeah, so, it's, yeah. it's but uh, LSU, you, you can get. I you mean, have an entire mostly... state where every football player dreams of wanting to play for you. So yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, there's right, that, no competition a, there. I will say that is a great point. Yeah, and I, I think that's why it's LSU. It's one of the best programs in the country, and we've seen plenty of coaches have success there. And you know, Coach O, people made fun of that hire. He managed to win a national championship because of Joe Burrow. And uh, you know, Les Les Miles and Nick Saban, of course. Uh, you know, they became prominent names because of their time at LSU, and they won national championships. So I, I certainly think Brian Kelly's going to do the same thing. It's fair. All right. And we'll see. I mean, it might take five years. I don't know how long you'll be able to hold me it's to 95 that 95 million. I guess that's another reason. Just the, the amount of it money. It is a no lot. Wonder why yeah. player, no wonder why players want to get paid because the coaches are living the dream. Oh, I know. They're, uh, they're making a ton of money. Yeah, actually. So, uh, Nick Saban's staff in uh, 2015 had uh, his offensive coordinator was Lane Kiffin. His defensive coordinator was Kirby Smart. His wide receiver coach, Billy Napier. Offensive line coach, Mario Cristobal. And defensive back coach, Mel Tucker. They're all making at least $7 million as a head coach six years later. Yeah, and I, so. I've heard of almost all those names, which is saying something uh, as a casual college football fan. <laughs> Napier is the guy that Florida just hired from Louisiana. I think he's the one guy you didn't hear of. Right, that that was so, the one guy. Yeah, and I said <laughs> he made a lot of sense for Florida on the the last podcast, so they did end up hiring him. All right, that'll do it for the college football talk. Uh, we'll certainly talk about those playoff games when they do happen. For now, let's talk a little baseball. And Major League Baseball is officially in a lockout. I don't know what's going to come of it. I said last time. I hope some kind of salary cap comes out of it. We'll see. But before the lockout happened. Last week, there were a lot of free agent signings, which is kind of a nice thing that the lockout was happening because it actually forced a lot of big moves, something that we don't tend to see from Major League Baseball this early in the offseason. So let's kind of talk about some of them, some of the more noteworthy ones. And heading into this free agency period, Carlos Correa was widely viewed as the top free agent. He did not sign, but several other shortstops did. And uh, most notably, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon both going to the Texas Rangers for a combined total of half a billion dollars for their middle infield. And that just feels crazy. Like, that, there's no way that uh, works out that, well, right? That's absurd. Yeah. Th- not only are they not the best team still in their division, they're not even the best team in their state still. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Astros <laughs> is still a better take, team. Yeah, the Rangers are not very good. That's... Yeah, a lot of money. Well, Corey 10 Seager years. and Marcus Simeon, they're they're both they're both good. They're both all star caliber players. I don't think they're Seager's not... worth three hundred twenty five million dollars. No. Like, <laughs> Marcus Simeon had two really good years as a on like as a free agent. Like no, that, contracts. that's what he that's what I'm saying. Like they're Toronto, they're both so. respectively good players. Uh, maybe, is he maybe worth one hundred seventy five million too? Like I mean, that's that's no, a crazy that, amount of money. Saying, I know, no, I'm saying that. yes, yeah. I know, I we agree. <laughs> We're just, I'm not yeah. saying that. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think that it, it's insane um, how much money those guys are getting, and it it doesn't feel like that's going to work out well for the Texas Rangers. No, 
No, and we've seen plenty of teams. I mean, look at another team in their division, the Angels. They've handed out a ton of money to players, and that hasn't led to uh, the on-field success that you would they've, expect. So They've had the best player in baseball for 10 straight years. And not only that, he's not even the best player in the league anymore because they have Shohei Otani. Someone else on his team. The, yeah. the other, yeah, the new best player in the league, and they still can't make the playoffs. You can't even finish 500. And yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the Rangers are still like kind of a ways away too. Like they've been really bad the past few years. And I don't think that these two players are enough to put them over the top. So maybe it'll look silly. They'll both continue to be all-stars down the road and Texas will continue to add more talent. But it just, it doesn't feel like that's going to work out well in their favor. No. Um, and then the other shortstop that has signed to this point, Javi Baez, signing with the Detroit Tigers. So three top shortstops signing with two teams that finished uh, close to, if not in last place last season. But I, I do think the Tigers, they're another team where it's like they're trying to rebuild and they're trying to expedite it with big free agent signing. Yeah, it's another move that's an upgrade, yes, but it's it's not a move that puts them over the top or anything. No, and he is an opt-out after two years, so it could end up really not working out if he actually exercises that. It's um, probably a good thing because th- there are just so many ba- there are so many absurd, absurdly long, con- big contracts in the league, and so to have an opt-out for for him for after just two years is probably a good thing for them. So he was connected to the Red Sox a lot. I, th- I know, like a lot of Red Sox fans are interested in him. Like, w- would you have wanted Javi Baez to come in to be the Red Sox second baseman? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I've s- I've said multiple times on here on how much I don't care for Christian Arroyo as their second baseman, and he- he's he's not the answer. And I I I'm not saying uh, people many people would uh, disagree with that, but uh, yeah, I would prefer <laughs> I definitely prefer Javi Baez. In, uh, uh, overpaying for him than having Christian Arroyo if that's what they're going to do because they they can't win a World Series with again with the same roster as last year uh maybe they can make the playoffs again but not much else and so the Red Sox definitely need to make some additions but I don't know if it's as simple as Baez or Arroyo at second base right like I'm not saying that move would be I'm not saying that would make them win a World Series or make them the favor anything but it definitely improved their chances no doubt about that yeah, I so I also would have liked Javi Baez. I think he's a fun, entertaining player. He also has uh, a lot of uh, you know lower moments at times. You know, we we saw the the thumbs down thing, and right after he he gets traded to the Mets, but I think he strikes out in like forty percent of his at bats or something ridiculous. Uh, it's I think that had Baez come to the Red Sox. There would have been so many like fifty-year-olds from Everett and Worcester and Woburn who just had like Weei and uh, Felger and Maz on speed dial, constantly complaining about the guy because even though he hits thirty home runs, you know, strike out a ton and make some boneheaded plays, and he'll have to be benched a couple times. So I think he he would have been someone that uh, probably would have had a so, similar so it would have been like, uh, like he did in New York and Boston. So not a perf- not a per- perfect comparison whatsoever, but it, it would have been a lot like Hunter Renfro, where <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's great, but at the plate, uh, he, he he can hit for power and throw out guys, but he strikes out at a pretty high rate. And so, what are your yeah, thoughts I, on the Red Sox trading him to Milwaukee to bring back Jackie Bradley oh Jr.? Oh God, no, no, Jackie Bradley. Like, I can't stand Jackie Bradley, or how or how overrated he is. 
he he is he is legit the one of the worst, if not the worst hitter in baseball. And so for if if he's not the starter, then I'll be much much uh, better with it. But he if he's a starting center fielder again, oh god, that's that that he's not the answer. I I I can't believe he's back again. I was never <laughs> a Jackie Bradley fan. I thought he was so overrated. His his baddest. I, I know he won ALCS MVP and he he has a great glove. One of the best. I will give him that. He is a great center fielder, and uh, I don't know how many how many gold gloves does he have. I think uh, he only won one gold glove. He one. might have won I, two. I, yeah, he should have been nominated way, for more. Either way, I'll admit he is a great fielder, but at the plate, he is one of the worst in the league. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a gamecock bias for me with Jackie Bradley Jr. I'm excited to have him back, but I do understand that um, at the plate, he's certainly a liability. He he's basically the the Marcus Smart of the Red Sox for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think Smart is uh I think that's that's a um, negative comparison for Smart. I think Smart is better at Jackie Bradley was an all star. <laughs> yeah, but I I don't know. I think that Bradley at this point is um he's not the player that he was, but he's still relatively young. He still has a chance to turn that around. So uh, another my opinion, though, if if he's if he's the a platoon backup, like a fourth outfielder, I I think that's what he'll end up being. I do think the Red Sox are going to end up adding um, another outfield bat at the end. I'd like to think it's a sign that they are in on someone uh, big like Kyle Schwarber. Bringing him back, maybe Chris Bryant. Uh, Uh, There's there's still a few guys out there. Nick Castellanos, Seiya Suzuki. I know they've been connected to him. Castellanos was great last year. I mean, he plays for Cincinnati, so so you can't really do much. Uh, can't really get much attention there, but he was great at the plate last year. And then Schwarber, I would bring back, whether if it's first base or DH or whatever. I, I like him a lot. So wherever he plays, I don't know what the answer is in the on the field, but I, I liked him a ton last year. Uh, so I would I'd bring him back for sure. What about Max Scherzer? Three years, hundred thirty million at thirty-seven years old to the Mets. <laughs> it helps their rotation, definitely. But it's like what I texted you. He he makes more than the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's a crazy contract. crazy contract, forty-three million a year. And part of me is like, yeah, he's worth it with how great he's been. Last year he was a Cy Young contender, but he also faded down the stretch and he's he's not getting any younger. So and it's the Mets. And it's, it, it's it, the it same just, story with the Mets. Okay, they, they've yeah. always had this great rotation, but they don't get anywhere with it. So I don't think it makes it as as crazy as this sounds, I don't think it makes them that much better. I think they're they'll they would go from where did they finish last year? Third? In the, in the they division? finished third below five hundred. Yeah. Okay. So they can go from below five hundred to what? A eighty-five wins <laughs> next year. Yeah, and still miss yeah. the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it, well, they so they signed Max Scherzer. I do like their moves, uh, getting Starling Marte as well as Eduardo Escobar and Mark Canna. I do think they made some moves to try to improve the team, but at the same time, they they lost Mark Stroman. He's going to the Cubs. They're probably going to lose Michael Conforto. So the question is, how? What is the net gain? And I, yeah. So maybe it is only marginal just enough to get him a winning record all these signings are just <laughs> it just makes these teams marginally better not not contenders at least well, for, at least that's what we think for now I mean, yeah we could be wrong, yeah i mean but, it's no um, and i 
I think that's the crazy thing about baseball is that you have all these giant contracts that get thrown out there and they don't necessarily lead to success on the field. I mean, Bryce, Bryce Harper, Harper leaves. Yeah, he leaves the Nationals. That's where I was just about to go with. Bryce Harper gets the this Phillies giant contract and then his old team wins it all the next year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's Yeah, it's great. Crazy. He, won MVP, he won MVP. The Phillies yeah. still suck. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And then I guess um, there's a one other um, signing at the top, or I guess pair of signings that I think are interesting. So the Blue Jays decide to sign Kevin Gosman from the Giants, and they let Cy Young Award winner Robbie Ray walk, who signs with the Mariners. Not a huge fan of that uh, from Blue Jays' perspective. I think that Kevin Gosman uh, was really great in San Francisco after being really not so great in Cincinnati, Atlanta, and Baltimore. And Robbie Ray just won the Cy Young. Why wouldn't you want to keep him around? Seems like a a downgrade from them for similar contract. A little off topic. How do you feel about... uh... Michael Waka and James Paxton. And Rich Hill. And Rich Hill. <laughs> All the Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm most excited about Rich Hill coming back, which I think says a lot about signing Waka and Paxton. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, w- Waka was good with St. Louis in that 13 World Series uh, with, when yeah, he was with the Cardinals. I, years ago, he was great. And, and he was Paxton, supposed to be the next big thing. And yeah, Paxton as well. And then well. Paxton, the lefty with uh, Seattle and in New York, he was he was good then, but he hasn't been great over the past couple of years because he's been Injuries. out and yeah. yeah, and so yeah, like th- th- those are moves that I, I, I'm good if those guys replace are replacements for like Martin Perez and Garrett Richards. Those guys are just terrible, but those aren't the answers to replace Eduardo. Uh, even though I wasn't the biggest Eduardo Rodriguez fan, he ate up a lot of innings. And yeah, you can't I do count think on, the, the Red Sox you, need I don't, to. I don't think you can count on any three of those guys to. No, not at all. To, to do to eat up the innings Eduardo did. So, yeah, like they're they're fringe moves at best. Clayton Kershaw's still out there. And how healthy is he? I, he's only thirty three years old. Is that a typo? I would have guessed he was like thirty seven. Seems kind of crazy. And Justin Verlander, I mean, he signed with the Astros. It hasn't been official. I'm just trying to see like who's even out there for pitchers. I think a guy like John Gray could have made sense. I mean, those guys, Robbie Ray and Kevin Gosman, felt like contracts that the Red Sox could have afforded. But yeah, not not throwing out a ton. Just getting uh, you know, four and five starters. I I don't know. I I don't feel what about, uh, about them replacing. I don't know if he's a free agent, but what about you said Gray? What about Sonny Gray? <laughs> Yeah, the Reds are looking to trade a lot of guys. So, I mean, I still think the Red Sox will make moves post-lockout. Um, you know, they just weren't in a rush to make deals before it. Yeah. So, and then I guess lastly, the Pirates, uh, definitely disappointed with them trading Jacob Stallings to the Marlins. I, mean, I know he's 32 years old, but he's still controllable for, I think, three or four more years, coming off a gold glove, arguably the best offensive catcher in baseball, and they didn't really get a ton back for him. So, I don't really know what to make of the Pirates. And it's not even like it was a salary dump because they went out and signed um, Roberto Perez to a $5 million deal to replace him at catcher. So, so in other words, uh, another last place season <laughs> for... Yeah, well, I mean... If, they, if, probably. if there's a season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't necessarily expecting them to compete, but I would have preferred them to keep around Stallings to try to help develop uh, some of those young pitchers. So... Not necessarily expecting a splash of the Pirates post-lockout. I would love them to sign Seiya Suzuki to play right field, but 
Um, I don't know if that's realistic. I've heard they've somewhat checked in on him, but that doesn't mean anything. So, all right. Well, um, I guess we'll probably talk more baseball kind of as the lockout starts to progress if there's more news. But for now, let's wrap up this week's episode with our five question segment. And Brian, I'll let you get started with question number one. All right. Question number one. Now a week into December, the holiday season is now in full swing. What are some of your favorite activities this time of the year? Yeah, so this was initially going to be a top five topic, but you are apparently a Christmas Scrooge and you don't enjoy any holiday activities. So So I'm not a Scrooge, but I will say as I'm older, there are less things that I enjoy during Christmas than I used to as a kid. But I still I, I, I still like Christmas, fair. but my list would have not been uh as great as yours cuz there're so, only a few So but I'll let you answer the question. Yeah, first. so the I guess the past 2 years we've done top 5 Christmas songs and top 5 Christmas movies. To me, listening to Christmas music, watching Christmas movies are probably my two favorite things about this time of year. I think that's the best way to be festive is to listen to Christmas music, December 1st rolls around, throw in those tunes and then also watch movies and uh you know enjoy those so, so i was trying to come up with the list for a top five and i could only come up with three things and one of them was uh watching christmas movies that would have been my number one watching christmas movies with a nice blanket uh and a hot chocolate and watching die hard <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah my, that, my family that, that would have been that would have yeah. been top of my list. My family watches <laughs> Elf every year on Christmas Eve. This past year, and we watched Elf. Die Hard on Christmas. Um, my yeah, dad I, does not believe it's a Christmas movie. Uh, but... That's okay. I I, <laughs> I don't fault anyone for thinking one way or the other. Yeah, so I actually, I... I've been dabbling in um, the, the Christmas rom-coms on Netflix. And uh, one I watched actually just came out this year. It's called Love Hard. And it stars uh, Jimmy O. Yang. He's a comedian. And I had never heard of him before, but I've I've seen some of his stuff since, and he's he's a pretty entertaining guy. And then I can't think of her name. It's like Natalie Nina Do- Dobrave. Nina Dobrav, yeah, she's from like Dobrav. some debug CW show. She um she they're the two stars. There's there's one guy. I swear he's a long lost Franco brother, but he's not related to them. But I I'm like this is like Dave Franco, uh, kinda, and um. It was like kind of entertaining, but one of the things that they kept beating in was, uh, is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not? So uh, <laughs> that uh, made made me think of that. Just talking about he does it. he does look. Uh, I googled him. He does look a little bit like like the Franco brother. Yeah, it's like not just like the way he looks, but also like the way he like talks and acts. Like I was like oh. getting major Dave Franco vibes from him. But yeah, so my, the things that I enjoy, yeah, I would have said. Christmas movies, and then the second one, what you just said, uh, uh, Christmas, Christmas music. Yeah, Christmas music. And I would then, have had music one, movies two, so we'd have at least yeah. had that reversed. Yeah, and then the the other thing was uh, shopping. 
But even that, last year I hated it. Last year I, the one, like I said, uh, the one or two times I went Christmas shopping, I yeah. hated it. Because I'm of- I'm not a fan of the the gift exchange aspect. Like obviously, like it's an important part of it, and I'll participate. But I just feel like there's more stress that goes into it because, like, especially with everyone's access to like Amazon and online shopping, it's so easy to get stuff that it's like, what do I want? I I have intentionally have to just wait till Christmas to get things just so I can open them on Christmas morning. And I think a lot of people. People feel the same way. It just makes it really difficult to, uh, you know, from both the the giving and the receiving end these days. I get it. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. I guess, I, I guess it's just it's nice. Uh, it going is, no, out it is and, nice. I agree. Yeah, yeah. And I'll admit, maybe most of the shopping is for myself and getting clothes or or whatever. Oh, but. I know. Yeah, I mean, on, on Black Friday, I think most of my shopping was going out with my parents and being like, okay, I like this shirt. I like these pairs of shoes, like all this stuff. Get it. Okay, cool. I'll pretend to act surprised when I open these a month later. Like <laughs> That's that's what a lot of it that, was to me. <laughs> that was the same thing for me too. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess other things. So my... My brother and I, and usually one of my cousins, always goes to my grandmother's house right before Christmas. Typically, Christmas Eve, we'll bake cookies, decorate them. That's something that I still love to do. Um, you know, fun time, spending time with her, and then you know, just baking, decorating cookies, like seeing to make the coolest snowman and Christmas tree. So um, that's certainly up there for me. And I love peppermint mocha. It's my favorite seasonal flavor. So for me, like all the the fun like Starbucks holiday seasonal flavors this time of year are great. But that's that's up there. Just drinking peppermint mocha lattes is uh that's near the top of my list as well. Is is uh so you've obviously been critical of me enjoying brownies on Thanksgiving. Is is hot chocolate acceptable during a yeah, Christmas? Of course. Okay. Okay. Because what do you mean? I if did it's say, cold out. Yeah, because I did say uh like for for watching movies if, if i were if i were to do a number one it would have been what like i said watching a move christmas movies uh and drinking hot chocolate uh yeah yeah and, uh, and the problem with yeah. brownies on thanksgiving is that there are like <laughs> other desserts that are associated with the holiday you just chose a generic one that you can eat 365 days out of the year yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's that's what it comes down to. All right, <laughs> and I guess I'm surprised that you didn't mention like watching basketball or you know football or anything as part of your favorite oh, activities. B- basketball, yeah. Wow, I could have made a list then. Oh, yeah, I, I know. I was like, ba- this, basketball. Yeah, I, I thought oh, that would be man, half I love, your list. I love like, oh. NBA, <laughs> NBA on Christmas. Yeah, Pe- I mean, yeah. It's, when it's it comes better to either thi- Thanksgiving, when it comes to sure. Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, excuse me. Uh, football on Thanksgiving or basketball on Christmas? Oh, I'm definitely NBA on Christmas for sure. Especially, and I'll fully admit, part of it's because the Celtics are always on. And... Yeah, usually a big game too. What about yeah. football on Christmas? You got uh Packers, Browns, and Cardinals, Colts. Oh, that should be interesting then, because yeah. they, they've had in the past. I remember the Steelers and Texans played on Christmas. They once, did, yeah, and that was when the, well, that the was Texans not a, that did was not, not have Watson. Game. No, Hopkins was, had a yeah. nice catch, but yeah. Yeah, that wasn't competitive. No, but Steelers Ravens on Christmas Day the year before was awesome. So right, yeah, we'll see. Uh, so that, last that year, Alvin Kamara was that when they clinched the division? Yeah, Am with the, the Antonio cr- Brown okay. immaculate extension. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I do remember that correctly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That. That. I mean. That. So maybe that was one of my Christmas favorite Christmas would be, moments. Would be great then, but yeah, I mean, just bowl games. That's all throughout before and after Christmas. Mm-hmm. So more of a New Year's thing, though. 
All right, so question number two. UConn Huskies star Paige Beckers was injured in the final minute of a 19-point victory over Notre Dame on Sunday. If you were a head coach, when would you remove starters from games? Well, first of all, I would have removed her specifically from that game much earlier, especially if it's a 19-point lead. Uh, yeah, it was 70-49 to 49 UConn with a minute 12 to go. And then Notre Dame hits a three, and Beckers brings the ball up court less than a minute to go. 30 and a half seconds left, 18-point yeah, game, and that's when she gets as, hurt. As, some, as someone that is a massive Gino Oriema hater. That's yeah, right? Nice, I was like, oh, this yeah, they're going to love this topic. Nice going. Nice going, yeah, uh, right? Gino. Yeah. I know, because like, I really like Paige Beckers. I don't like UConn. Yeah, she's she's fun. good. Yeah, she, she's she, awesome. She would, she would destroy me in a game of basketball. One of yeah, I mean, but, I'm, uh, I'm pretty confident that everyone on UConn's that's a good roster p- would destroy us in one-on-one that's, basketball. That's true <laughs> as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, that sucks for her. And um, but yeah, but when would I remove them? When, when would I remove starters from games? Uh, I think it depends on the. It, it definitely depends on like the what the margin of the score is and how much time is left. So. Of course, nineteen point lead with a minute left. That's that's definitely uh, absurd that she's still in the game. But I don't know, like what? Te- Let's say it's a ten point game, so double digits. I would say, I don't at, at least a few minutes, right? Like like what? Five minutes? No, maybe not five, but a few minutes. Yeah, a I few guess minutes it, left. To me, it's whenever it's clear that the game is over and that a yeah, comeback I, is. I didn't not know how to. Happen. I didn't. I didn't know how I to phrase. Yeah, that, I don't know if there's like. It, it is situational. I mean, it depends on the sport as well. I thought it was crazy that the Bengals left Joe Burrow in uh, late against the oh, Chargers. Oh, like four touchdown lead at least? Yeah, right? No, no. Like this past week when they were playing the Chargers, they threw him out there when they're down 41 to 22. Oh, I thought you were talking left. about the Steelers-Bengals uh, game. No, I mean, that. I, I thought that was also crazy that the Steelers left starters in. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I mean, to me, when the game is over... I, that's why you take him out is to avoid an injury like that. Now, luckily, it's just a broken knee and not like a you know torn ligament. She's going to be back in late January, but it's still like I guess if I was the Notre Dame coach, I'm probably calling a timeout when UConn goes up seventy to forty nine, and I'm getting my starters off. And then as a you know January Emma UConn, I I think I I'm doing that. I guess okay, it's seventy to fifty two. Yeah, like, it, let's it just... just it depends on the time and the margin in college basketball or I guess any basketball game, but it's something you feel or something, you know, yes, in the yes. moment. It's, you I know, guess... when the other team, it's obvious that they're not coming back. Like you, they're kind of giving up and you're like, okay, even if they go on a little run with the backups in the game, this it's not going to get close. We're not going to feel like we have a shot to lose. So, but yeah, I, so, but in terms of numbers, yeah, it's gotta be double digits for sure. Yep. Definitely. Uh, um, and then there's got to be a specific amount of time left. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Up 30 going in the fourth quarter. It's probably yeah, that, probably good enough. Yeah. Let's we'll, I mean, we'll get the bench in. Kobe in game six uh, versus Celtics. Even uh, <laughs> even he tapped out at that with that big of a lead. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's that's the I think that's an easier situation. It's tough during the flow of the game. I get that. Uh, you know, having to use timeouts uh, to get players off the field, but. It's um I think it's it's something that uh coaches should be more willing to do and uh especially when you're winning by a ton. Like I get that college basketball has like rankings and stuff and style points matter sometimes, but I don't think that 
beating Notre Dame by 21 versus 19 in early December is going to affect whether or not UConn is a one seed as much as not having Paige Becker for six to eight weeks would. So, All right. Question number three. Uh, we both attended several live sporting events this year. What food do you crave the most when attending a game in person? Yeah, so for me, I just instantly go to college football games at Williams Bryce Stadium. That's after tailgating and, you know, having a, a handful of adult beverages. So I'm definitely craving food at that point. And the the two go to's I always have are a slice of Little Caesars pizza, previously Marco's pizza, and nachos. I love stadium nachos. Even when they're stale, if I've had enough to drink, I'll love them. Uh, that's to me, nachos are usually the big one. When I was a kid, it was always getting like an ice cream cone or dipping dots or one of those like souvenir cups at Fenway. But oh, I love dipping dots at Water Country. <laughs> yeah, oh, dipping dots. I'm a huge fan of dipping well, dots. Not, not that it matters them. where you get them, it's just that when I used to go to Water Country a lot, yeah, uh, when I was they're the I ice was, cream uh, of the future, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah i got them all the time when i went to water country the oreo one specifically but but yeah when tailgating this year we've had uh a lot of different kinds of foods you had depends on who you're playing right yeah it depends who we're playing uh the best one was the in my opinion was actually was the last game we had mac and cheese uh, of all things Uh, against the titans yeah Yeah, left over from so yeah i'll admit there have been times where I would ask Kenny uh, when when he's told me like what the food is, and then when I look at the what team they're playing, I, I'll ask Kenny. So how does uh this food match up with this this city? And and they they uh, his parents do find out um like they do research into it uh that certain foods are uh well liked in certain states or cities, and so so I take their word for it. And so yeah, we we've had. Jambalaya, pizza, against the Saints. nice jambalaya. Yep, versus the Saints, and then yeah, we had like I said, pizza, pizza and, against the Jets. Yep, and then bur- burgers. Uh, that was the first game. Uh, who did they play against the Dolphins? One? Dolphins. I think I, wasn't <laughs> wasn't Dolphin or fish. Uh, so that's what that's what it was. Yeah. So they had fish, fish. Yeah. And Kenny and I were tilapia. just like, yeah. And Kenny yeah. and I were just like. We just want burgers. <laughs> yeah. right, that's, that's fair. <laughs> we're we're not a fan of fish, and so yeah. well, they always do um, buffalo burgers for the Bills game, right? Yeah, Probably yeah, yeah. I don't know, maybe buffalo chicken or wings mm. or something as well. I'd that's a, that's the next one, so. right? I'd imagine that'll be the case. Uh, yeah, if the Colts game is at home, be horse meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah. yeah. So I crave all of them, and then. Um, like like you said, uh, in the game, I, I've gotten a couple adult beverages, and I've gotten chicken and fries like midway through the game a couple times. But might be running out on chances all... to get chicken tenders. You hear there? Say that be, again. Do you hear chicken fingers might be going extinct? <laughs> I hope not. Since yeah, I don't like... know how they would, but yeah, that's like actually a thing. <laughs> oh God, that would be terrible for me then. Um, but yeah, I guess out of all the things that I crave the most, the Mac and cheese, I thought was the my favorite one. But and not not only that, but that same day, there was a guy who was offering us pasta shells just at a random. Like, hey, do you guys want the rest of uh, our pasta sh- cooked? Yeah, cooked and everything. And okay, and we were we were reluctant at first, but then all of a sudden he he brought them over and we tried them and they were terrific. And so and 
we had so a like bunch stuffed of pasta. shells with like stuff stuffed yeah. Okay. uh cooked yeah uh, gotcha heated yeah shells yeah okay yeah it was just kind of i guess a, a, yeah i don't know i don't know why my mind went to just like a like a box of burrito <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was, it was pre- prepared already yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> nice yeah i mean those are uh i mean those not typical tailgating food that i'm used to but uh sounds like some good stuff there so all right, question four. Would you rather have a personal chef or a personal driver? Now, I guess before you answer this, normally I don't love a lot of your uh, hypothetical questions, but I, I did really like this one. I thought this was a good one. That's good. Yeah, like this, when, I, when I come up with the, the hypothetical ones, I'll admit sometimes I just throw it out there like, hey, maybe you like this question, maybe not, but whatever. But yeah, yeah so I'm glad you like this one. Uh Between personal chef or personal driver, though, I'm going with personal chef for sure. When it comes to driving, I don't mind driving. I like driving. Every time I go to a Red Sox game, I always offer to drive, and uh, I don't. I really don't mind doing it. I guess traffic sucks a lot, but other than that, I'm 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 cool with driving, and especially by myself, cranking up the music, whatever it is. And so, per, uh, obviously, a personal driver would be great. Uh, anytime I've gone to the, I haven't traveled to the Philippines in forever, but uh, every time I've gone. Uh, so the family that I visit there, they have a personal chef, personal uh, cook and driver. Oh, so you get and to experience both. So I actually get to experience it, uh, sort of. Uh, and I, I, I love uh, uh, both of them uh, very much. Like, or get to Anytime I get to see them or talk to them, they're both great. And uh, it's definitely very convenient having both of them. But yeah, but... Personally, if it were my choice, which one would I rather have? I'd take the chef because, yeah, like I said, the driving, I'm, I'm totally fine with driving. It's not that not that bad uh, outside of traffic sometimes. But when it comes to the chef, like, I, I can't cook anything. <laughs> I can make yeah. cereal, toast, waffles. <laughs> Those aren't hard things. Ramen noodles. Uh, the only sort of difficult thing I can make is mac and cheese on Thanksgiving. I do make the mac and cheese on Thanksgiving. But other than that, I don't really know how to make much. And it'd be awesome to have a personal chef uh, for any type of craving that I have, whether if it's something th- for the taste or or something healthy, maybe. Uh, so, yeah. Usually chef, brownies. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, a personal chef yeah. for me, uh, definitely. Yeah, I I really like this question because I've gone back and forth on this one a little. Um, I think at first I said personal driver, just thinking I would love to have someone to drive me like when I'm out and about and don't want to take an Uber places because I can't drink um, and drive. That would be the one reason for me to have a personal driver. Yeah, but when it comes chef. down to it, I think a personal chef would have way more value to me and for two reasons. Like it. I I think I can work. I can I can cook to an extent. Like I'm not I'm not going to do this professionally. I'm not opening a restaurant anytime soon. But I I know my way around a kitchen. But there are a lot of times where I'm just too lazy to do it, or you know I don't want to go to the store and get stuff. So like I end up getting takeout or whatever, and I do that way too often. And I think having a personal chef that's never an issue. And like you said, they can make whatever you need. Like they can make sure that they can uh, you know put out some interesting dishes all the time. I think I would eat healthier with a personal chef because they could make oh, healthy things for me. Way so. healthier, yeah. I wouldn't know yeah. what to eat. Like, is is this healthy? Is this healthy? And yeah. 
No, I, I think personal chef is the easy one here. Um, realistically, if we're rich enough to have one, we're probably going to have both. But, you know, if we have to, you know, for whatever reason, cut some costs and only keep one of them, I think the uh, personal chef would be the one that I'd be less inclined to get rid of. All right. So we're both in agreement on that one. Nice. Yep. All right. Uh, last question. Last week, music lovers rejoiced as Spotify Wrapped revealed users' listening preferences from last from the past year. What are some of the more notable or surprising songs, artists, and podcasts from your list? So he's done it. Did not make my top five podcasts. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it, which, did, like, it did for me. Well, so I I don't listen back to the podcasts. I listen to them as I edit them. Sometimes I'll go back and I'll play them if I'm looking for you know a specific thing that I said or whatever. But a lot of times I will, if I do press play, it's usually on Apple Music, not on Spotify. So that's that's part of it. And I, oh, I listen that, to enough a, podcasts. That's, that's that, definitely that's yeah. definitely a big reason. Uh, yeah, and when I when I play back and listen to our episodes, like I don't I don't listen from start to finish. Uh, at times, like I'll, I'll listen to a portion and then just not. Sometimes you want to see how it was edited, and then, edited, and then right? maybe later in the day or week or whatever, I'll listen again on a different portion. But They're yeah, long I, episodes. So it went, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When we when we go for a long time, it's just like yeah, I'm not gonna listen. Even I, <laughs> even I won't listen to myself for uh, that long. Yeah, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it did make my top five though. Well, that's good. I appreciate your support. Yeah. <laughs> um, in uh, terms of the the music part, so my top five artists make way more sense than my top five songs. I kind of feel cheated out of it with the top five songs, but for the artists, uh, not a ton of surprise. Olivia Rodrigo is number one for me. I knew that she would be number one as soon as Sour came out, and I was just listening to it nonstop in May and June. So no surprise there. Drake, number two. I think it's the first year he hasn't been my number one since uh, I got Spotify, and they've been doing rap, but he still made the cut there. Number three, Matchbox 20. They're one of my favorite bands of all time, so certainly expected that on my list. Yep. And then number four, Post Malone. I was a little surprised by him at first. The more I thought about it, I love all of his albums. I have like so much just constantly comes on shuffle so makes sense that he would sneak his way in there and then number five is kenny chesney who made it almost exclusively from listening to him like may to september with my summer music so you remember we did our top five summer songs i only put one kenny chesney on but it was tough to pick just one because he has so many great ones so another one where it's like okay yeah it makes sense that he he made my list i did not have post malone <laughs> in my top five but i did have the song sunflower Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a my, good one. High on my song, uh, top song list. I did like that song a lot. Yeah, he has a lot of good ones. My top songs, it didn't make any sense to me. Like there are songs in my top five that I'm like, how often do I listen to this? How did that somehow get in there? And like, I didn't have any. So of my top five, there's not a single crossover with like my top five artists and my top five songs. It made no sense to me. But Driver's License came in at number six, which, you know, I kind of wish it was higher up just to say that I had a Olivia Rodrigo song in my top five. But uh, that's also surprising me because I felt like I listened to more songs more than that. But at the same time, that was the only song for like, you know, a few months before Sour came out. So makes sense that she'd probably be number one or that song would be number one. So... Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't like my, my, uh, top five songs list. So I guess I got to do better next year to make sure that it's something that I, I do like. 
Um, yeah. So for my list, uh, uh, podcasts, uh, yeah, like the ones I listen to, it's like ours, Ben's, Kenny's. And then after that, it's all Boston sports related or fantasy sports related. And yeah, that, that's sense. really much it. There's nothing surprising on my list for top podcasts. And then when it comes to top songs, uh, I don't remember my top five. I don't have it in front of me. But what I will say, though, is a, what was what would surprise you a little is that I had a few from the same album. And uh, you, you probably know J. Cole, mm-hmm. uh, 2014 Forest Hills Drive. I had, a, I had a I actually had a few songs uh, from that same album in my not top five, but like top uh, in uh, your top hundred, whatever. Yeah. Like top hundred. Close. And, yeah. Yeah, I definitely had def- some J. Cole in my top 100, too. Yeah. I, from I, that I album. Like that, I like that album a lot. Or, yeah. Yeah, Love Yours, uh, No Role Models, uh, Fire Squad. There are a lot of great songs from that from that album. And then and then also Ill, Illmatic from, from Nas. Ah, That's a great album as well. I yeah, had multiple uh, songs. Up there is like one of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah. Uh, I had multiple uh, multiple tracks from the, in my top 100 from that album, so... So that would kind of surprise you, since I don't think I've ever, ever like talked about them. Um, not totally surprise me, but mm-hmm. sure. Like, yeah, like I, I obviously had talked that I like Kid Cudi and Kanye a lot. Those are probably uh-huh. my two favorites. But like, I'd probably say my next two favorite are those guys. Uh, and but I guess the most surprising thing, maybe possibly, uh, in my top five artists list, uh, Taylor Swift. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Was she your number <laughs> yeah, that's, one? That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I figured. Um, but in my top five though, Adele made it. Really? Yeah. I'm a big I'm I'm a I'm I'm a big Adele fan. Yeah, I've Maybe always appreciated it. I would take yeah, I would take Taylor Swift still, but uh I'm a I'm definitely a big Adele bigger Adele fan than you probably realize. Uh Rich Paul uh, And her fan. her new album came out thirty. I definitely uh, enjoy a few songs from, from that album. Easy on me is of course uh like her, her like biggest single from that album. I definitely like that one a lot. Uh, to be loved and oh my god, those are probably my three favorites from that album. But I still like twenty five more uh, than thirty. Uh, so I liked her second most recent album still more than her the one that just came out. But still, I still like Adele a lot. Nice. Uh, and she actually made my top five artist list. So that was probably yeah. the most surprising thing from All my right. list. Yeah, uh, Spotify Wrap's definitely an exciting time of the year. Uh, I know a lot of people love sharing their uh, their lists all over social media. So um, definitely a fun fun question to wrap up this episode. So we'll see about um, recording one next week. Sailors play Thursday night. Patriots have a bye. You know, we won't rule it out, but we uh, will definitely be coming back the week after our annual you know best of 2021 superlative awards whatever you want to call them we'll be recording for that and then you've got us for like six weeks in a row uh, at the start of the year for the uh, NFL playoffs so we'll definitely be putting out a ton there so we'll take a little little bit of a break if we have to heading into the new year and be at our sharpest come 2022. So, for my co-host Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone. 